Uh, we are a people called to remember. Uh, throughout scriptures, God uh, calls us to look back and to remember. Uh, he says, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He calls us to remember our past, and as we remember our past, we remember his faithfulness and care. The poppy on the screen is a call to remember. Uh, it's the flower of remembrance calling us to give thanks to our service men and women for their faithful service and care for our nation. Uh, tomorrow is Veterans Day, the anniversary of the signing of Armistice, uh, which ended World War I, the hostilities between the Allied nations and Germany in 1918. So today we take a moment to thank veterans, particularly those in our community, for their services to our country and to her people. So I would like to ask if there are any veterans in our community, would you please stand? I would also like to ask if any of your immediate family members have served our country, would you please stand as well? As we remember and as we celebrate, uh, we want to pray. Pray for our veterans and pray for our country. So will you please join me uh, as we pray? Our gracious God, Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, faithful one who provided your son as a sacrifice on our behalf, we thank you today for the veterans in our country and in our community, for those who sacrificed more than we know, many including their very lives. We give thanks for their faithful service and ask that you would care for them in their unique circumstances and needs, as many of them hold marks on their minds and their hearts and their bodies that still plague them. And as Jesus laid down his life that we might have peace with you, we're reminded that on this day we celebrate peace, the day when weapons were laid down. And I pray, Father, that you will bring peace and healing to our country and to the nations of the world. We pray, Lord, for your swift return when war will be no more and the redeemed of every country, even those who were once declared enemies, will stand as forgiven children before your throne. Bless us this day as we remember, bless our veterans, and bless our country until you come again by your spirit and in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, today is the final chapel of our Global Gospel Advancement Week, and it's my privilege to introduce our speaker, uh, Pastor Aaron Tolson. Uh, Aaron is a 1997 Covenant College graduate and a graduate of Covenant Seminary. He has served in youth ministry in Florida, Missouri, and since 2002 has served as the assistant pastor of high school ministry at Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church. His ministry has impacted a number of lives in this room, including our family, and his approach to missions in the local church is a deep encouragement and inspiration. He and his wife Lisa have four children and live on Lookout Mountain. Please give a warm Scots welcome to Reverend Aaron Tolson. Wow, thank you so much. Um, good for me to be back here. This is such a big part of my life. I won't cry the whole time, sorry. Um, God's been uh, immeasurably 
good in my life. And uh, Lately, it's just been so good and so clearly present. And so I'm coming in with a lot of outside, like, wonder at who he is today. Um, but it's just good to be back and to look so far back and how good he's been for so long. Um, this place is such a big part of that. But uh, thinking of this, my time here, I just remember one story that really sticks out to me. Uh, as a sophomore, I walked on to the Covenant soccer team. I was a terrible player. And uh, I did not belong on the team. Coach Crossman interviewed me, and he said, why do you want to be, or he actually only asked one question. That was, not what was your experience, what teams you played for, what have you done? He said, what's your GPA? And uh, I'm sure I told him what I wished my GPA was. And uh, with that, that got me onto the soccer team. And uh, sure enough, we won the NAIA award for the highest GPA that year. But uh, <laughs> as a scrub on the soccer team, my, my job was to videotape all of the soccer games. And so I would stand up high on the hill and I would watch. And if you've ever sat in a crowd at a Covenant soccer game, you'll know that there's these experts hidden throughout the audience who played in high school at one point in their life. And so they now know everything about the game of soccer and offer their expert critique and analysis throughout the game. Uh, I was that person, and uh, as I'm filming the, the game, the first one I filmed, for 90 straight minutes I'm saying, what, what are you doing? Oh, David, don't do that. Coach, why is that guy even in here? This guy, oh, this is ridiculous. And they need to be doing, oh, man. 90 minutes of that, little did I know there's a microphone embedded on, on cameras now. It's a new technology. Recorded everything that I, the walk-on who never played in a single Covenant game, had to say about the varsity players. So, I didn't even know that happened. I walk in to practice on Monday. They're all sitting there with the volume cranked all the way up, <laughs> listening to me berate them and criticize them and outcoach Brian Crossman. Um, that will be forever etched in my mind. And uh, that's a lot what this feels like right now, to stand here in front of people who have just shaped me and taught me everything I know that I still learn from and to speak as some sort of uh, uh, person to give wisdom to you. So I feel a little bit like that experience in college at this moment. Um, but I do want to just say, as a representative of the local church, that we are so thankful for Covenant College. Like, I cannot thank you enough. The mission of LMPC is driven by Covenant students. Some of my best friends over the last 15 years have been Covenant students who've worked alongside of me and poured their lives out. Right now, students in this room are the ones pouring the gospel into my children and teaching them about who God is and what he's done and helping them learn scriptures. They come home just in wonder of who you are and your relationship with Christ. So I know it's just not LMPC. I know it's every church in the area. And we just say thank you so much for, for serving and giving your life away. So as a pastor, I get... Let me pray before we jump into this. Father... Um, I just got to say it again out loud. You're so good. And uh, 
I thank you for your grace. And I pray you'd help me to uh, get hold of myself here and speak to my friends. In Christ's name, amen. So as a pastor, I get lots of advice from people. This is what the church should be doing. This is what the church should be about. The church needs to be moving in this direction and starting these things. And how would you maybe finish that sentence? I think the church should be doing... Listen to how you answer that, because that's probably what God's made you for. That's probably the quickest way to discern what's my passion and my calling and my gifting. It's just a little insight there. But there's so many competing ideas and visions, all of them actually really beautiful in, in most part. But it's, dis, it's overwhelming sometimes. I remember as a Covenant College student, I was involved with Urban Young Life. I did the youth group at RP when, when it was here, and I was an intern at Lookout Mountain Presbyterian, and I was an RA, and I was an assistant coach at CCS, and I was trying to be everywhere and yet nowhere. And I was like, what does it mean to, to be part of the mission of the church? And so recently in a CPR class I was taking, I realized that when the heart is in fibrillation, it means it's getting thousands of electrical signals at once and all the muscles are contracting and therefore it can't work. And what the defibrillator does, it comes in and boom! It clears all the noise and the muscles of the heart pick up the heartbeat again. I want to look at Acts 2 this morning as a defibrillator. As you think, what's the global gospel advancement and mission of the church and how do we do all these things? You're, you're inundated with ideas and visions. I want to hear, like, this is the mission of the local church from Acts 2. And then what does that look like? Acts 2 verse 42 says, this is talking about the very first church as they came together. This is what they were about. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. I believe the primary mission of the church is the glory of God by being a community of believers devoted to these things. So our mission statement, every church has a mission statement. Ours at Lookout is to glorify God by growing in grace and by giving our lives away on the mountain and the city and the world. So the two main parts that overarchingly we're, we're glorifying God, but then we're growing in grace by giving our lives away. I think the primary mission of the church before anything else is that we would foster a community devoted to these things where we can grow in grace. Look what they were. It says, devoted to the apostles' teaching. If you look at what the apostles were teaching, right before this in Acts and afterward, they're teaching the wonder of Jesus, who he is, what he did, his resurrection, his ascension, the fact that right now he intercedes for you at the throne of God. 
When they say they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, it says they were devoted to know their Savior. That's the mission of the church. That we'd be a community devoted to knowing the Savior of who He is, what He's, what he's doing. It's a singular focus. But it also says they're devoted to fellowship. And uh, those, those verses give you a right picture of fellowship. I think at some point, the, the word fellowship died in our culture. Someone took it out back and boom, put a shotgun to its head. And I, as a youth pastor, I think I'm partly responsible, right? I can, I can go to my session on Monday night and be like, well, we ordered pizza and 10 kids showed up, so we had fellowship. Uh, pizza in proximity, right? People in a room like, oh, Sunday school, someone brought donuts. This is sweet fellowship time. Um, that's not what the Bible's talking about. It's not, fellowship is not just people in proximity with food. It's talking about people doing life together. It says, as they were together, they're sharing, this is what God's been doing in my life. This is the wonder of who he is. Um, they, they're giving praises. They're lifting each other up. They shared meals together. That is the picture of fellowship that God gives us. And that's the heart of the mission of the church that we foster a community that does that. Um, that's the kind of relating that we are to foster. And I love how they describe it. It says they were filled with awe of the miracles done. Now think about that. There are obviously miracles that were ushered in by the apostles confirming that the Son of God had entered the world. And this, these are God's words to us. But if you look around this room, I look right now and I see so many faces I know and I think of who they were in sixth grade and see who they are now. And I am filled with awe at the miracles done of what God has been doing, what he is doing, of who you were, who you are, and who you will be. When you look around this room, you can be filled with awe at the miracle that God's doing, your story, the fact that right now, if you come in here and you say, I want to live my life for my Savior who died to win me and not myself anymore, that is a miracle of God. And when we share that story with each other, who I was, who I am, who God's making me, we are in awe at the work of God, and we are growing in grace, and that's the mission of the local church, that we use those stories of who God is, what he's doing, and we live in awe before one another of that. So the apostles' teaching, which is to know Jesus, the fellowship, the sharing of these stories, but look how they turn towards each other. It's not just in conversation and honesty, but with care. The words koinonia, a commonness, they shared in each other's burdens. Your pain is mine, your struggle is mine. When I was in Uganda recently, I asked a pastor, I said, How, tell me about the local church. How's it doing? How's it received? How's it known? And he said, honestly, for years, missionaries came and they told us what to believe, but they did nothing to care for our needs and for our struggles. He said, and the church has really struggled because of that. When I was in Haiti, I, I was asking them what some of their, their thoughts are, and a guy said this. He says, the Haitians have this proverb, and it's this. God gives, but he doesn't know how to share. Do you hear that? There's enough resources in the world for everyone, but they are greedily hoarded by 1%. But Luke says, not in the church from the beginning, this place has been about sacrificial generosity. No one would let their friend who was in need 
go by without helping them if they had the means to do so. He said, that is the heart of the believer. That we would move towards one another. His first illustration, being so united that no one would live on in prosperity when their brother or sister had need. That's the community of faith. This mission of the church to foster this kind of community and relating. I believe that's how God's chosen to fight evil in the world. By putting this community of faith that doesn't just meet physical needs, but shares life together, shares faith together, shares their stories with one another, and is dedicated to knowing and proclaiming who Jesus is. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be part of something like that? Wouldn't that make you get out of bed on Sunday morning? It would make it so much easier. Like, I want, I remember being at Covenant and thinking, I really wish I had someone in my life who would pour into me, a mentor. But I never once went and asked for one or sought one out. I literally just, you know, I'm just going to sit here and eat Doritos and watch Netflix, Lord, just send somebody along. We didn't have Netflix back then, but similar things. But don't you want that? But that's the picture of growing in grace. That's the mission of church, the church, that we would foster that kind of community of faith. And so out of that then comes the second part. The Lord added daily those who were being saved. When we live in a community like that, people just flock to them. And faith abounds. People want to be part of something like that. But our mission also is to go then give our lives away. So this church, this growing in grace, this community, which, by the way, coming is one of the greatest experiences of that kind of community for me. The spiritual life that you are offered here, you don't have to take it, but that you are offered is unparalleled in my experience. In 16 years of youth ministry, watching people go off to college, no one is doing it like this. No one is offering what is available to you, whether you take hold of that or not. You can, ha- you can understand this community of faith. It's there. But as you live that out, it is that strength, the power, the foundation from that community. We're called to go and take that and give our lives away. What does that look like? Does it sometimes feel like the only way, well, in my community, I would say the majority of people in my church think the way they give their life away is by writing a check. That's not necessarily their heart, but they, they just don't know how to go do that? How do we find the need and connect to it and have the time? It seems like the way we give our lives away is by supporting something with a check, which feels so detached. I had a student, I think the what it looks like to give my life away is is really not much different from what it looks like to grow in grace. I did a wedding in Nashville this weekend uh, for a student from the youth group, um, from the Brock Rustan clan actually if you're familiar with any of them. And uh, as we were meeting, he had gone off to college with a few friends from our youth ministry as well. And a student that he became friends with at his college came up to me at the wedding and he said, I just have to tell you, your church has ministered to me. I've never been there, but your church has blessed me beyond measure because I know these guys. They came with this this Christ-centered relating I had never seen And now me and about 10 of the guys here are changed because of them, because of the community of faith. Do you hear it? They went to college where there wasn't that community, where there was people detached from from life and family and accountability, 
and they brought the community of faith there. And it began to spread. That's what giving our lives away looks like. We take the church to the hurting. We take the church to the college campus. We take the the church to where there are wounded. The three places our high school ministry has committed to giving their life away are are in our, our high schoolers just serve the middle school. And then we serve in widow's ministry, and we serve in Uganda. And uh, with middle school, there's so many students in here who serve our middle schoolers. Um, And I'm so thankful again. I just want to point out Hallie Blair Quattro just for a second. Uh, I'm sure one of your favorites, uh, mine as well. As a high schooler, HBQ, gave gave her life away and began to serve my daughter. She has my daughter in a small group. And uh, now as a covenant student, she still has her. And they meet in my home and I hear them. And that randomly throughout the time together, there's an explosion of laughter as they share together. And then it gets quiet as they begin to engage each other with life. They begin to share their stories say, what's going on with you? What's the Lord doing? How can we pray for you? And what Hallie Blair is doing She may not even realize it. She's bringing the church to the, I I would say middle schoolers are some of the most vulnerable in our culture right now. She's taking it to the most vulnerable and she's saying, this is what a community of faith looks like. This is what it looks like to be loved and walk. This is who God is and I'm in wonder of that and I want you to know him. She's bringing the church to the most vulnerable. Middle school ministry. And also our widow's ministry. A friend of mine, Andy Mendonza, runs the widow's ministry in town. And in my mind, it started as this need-based ministry. I need to go and meet the needs of widows. I think that's how most of us think about the mission of the local church. How do we go solve the needs of those who are hurting? And Andy came to me and he's like, no, no, no. Aaron, did you know that when a widow loses her husband, she loses 80% of her social network and support structure? 80%. He said, when you come, you're going to work for me a little bit, but what you're going to do is you're going to have lunch with the widows. And then you're going to have dinner with the widows. And then you're all going to stand up and tell God what you're thankful for. And then they're going to pray for you. And then they're probably going to burst into song and sing Amazing Grace a few times. And he's like, and that's what you're going to do on your work week. I'm thinking, I'm more like a dispatcher in an office. All right, we got a, we got a roof on 4th and... Rossville, we need it fixed. Okay, we'll send a truck there. Completely detached from life. And Andy's saying, ministry, the mission of the church is to do life together. Bring the church into their life. To sit and wonder who God is. To hear them pray. To hear them sing. And I will say, and you, these, my friends here can attest to it, the single greatest impact in the lives of our students over my 16 years at LMPC has been the prayer meeting with widows that they do in the summer. These women stand up and 98% of their prayers are thank you. You gave me breath. You gave me another day to sing your praises. You got me out of bed. Lord, I came here to be with my friends to hear your word. You are so good. You have been so faithful. And these are 15-year-olds who are thinking like, why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? And they're hearing an 88-year-old woman say, I have nothing that I desired other than you. And it changes them. They think, can my faith even last 
till the time when I'm 19, and they're hearing an 88-year-old say, there's nothing on this world I desire but Jesus. And it shapes who they are, and it transforms them. We give our lives away by sharing the community of faith with others and having them share that with us. And lastly, in Uganda, and I don't need to explain that one any, but it's the same idea. We go to share our lives with them. We don't go to build some massive structure and put built by LMPC on it, but to go and enter life with people and talk about who you are, share our brokenness and hear their stories, and to know them better. I want to end with this story. Uh, a friend of mine, Marshall Teague, he grew up in the youth ministry at Lookout. He's a Covenant grad. Now he runs Eden Thistle on the back of the mountain. When he was a student here at Covenant, he, uh, he and some friends went downtown to Greyfriars when it was in, in existence. And uh, they're sitting there getting some food when all of a sudden uh, a homeless person walks up and just says, hey, I'm really hungry, I need some food. And so I said, sure, yeah, we'll buy you a sandwich. And they bought him a sandwich and they bought him a gift card. $15 said, hey, when you're hungry again, come on back. And they went outside and sat at a table and, and they were like, man, I hope, hope, I can't wait for him to come out and sit with us and we can talk to him and hear his story and share life with him. The guy got a sandwich, he came out the door and just took off running down the street. Like, oh man. Well, it's still a beautiful thing. I just wish we could have connected with him. And they were discouraged, but trying to be hopeful. Well, then 15 minutes later, this guy comes back. And he had gone and got his friend, who was also homeless. He brought him into Greyfriars, and with that $15 gift card, the only money he has now, he bought him lunch and then came and sat with him. I want to leave you with that picture. The mission of the local church is that we would receive grace through this community of faith. And then as we receive that grace, we run out and share it with others by bringing that same community of faith to them. That's what I believe God's made the church for, and that's what I believe he's called us to. Let me close this in prayer. Father, thank you for your church. It is what you've given to us to battle evil in this world. It is what you've given us to grow your kingdom. It's what you've given us to sustain us and to give us life. Father, I think as we hear this vision, we would long for it. We want that kind of community. We want to be a part of that. Father, would you enable us to build that community and the relationships you've centered around us? And may we run and give that away, bringing your church, the community of faith, to the most vulnerable, the most hurting. We pray it in your son's name. Amen.